Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Joining me to talk about the big special election in Alabama tomorrow is John McCormick, senior writer of the Weekly Standard. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Daily Standard Podcast is brought to you by Donors Trust. Donors Trust is the community foundation for the liberty movement. If you want to support groups committed to limited government, personal responsibility, and free enterprise with your charitable giving, you should learn how Donors Trust can simplify your giving. Go to DonorsTrust.org standard to get your free Investing in Liberty guide. John McCormick, welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having so, me. So I hear there's an election tomorrow. It's a pretty big election. You may have seen it uh, in the news on Twitter. Uh, Right now, it's uh, it's something of a toss-up, actually, in the polls. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Roy Moore and uh, Doug Jones, Democrats. Uh, they're only separated by 2.5 percentage points. In Roy the, Moore is the Republican. Roy Moore is the Republican, uh, uh, credibly accused of uh, molesting a teenage girl, dating teenagers. You may have heard of that in the news. Uh, very uh, troubling, troubling stories. Uh, he is up by 2.5 percentage points in the real clear politics average of polling, if you take all the polls together and average them. It's really not that unusual uh, for a candidate with a, a lead of uh, less than three points uh, to go on and lose a race. There's actually plenty of examples of that from uh, Al Franken was down by two points, some points. Uh, Harry Reid was down by about two points in 2010, pulled off a victory. So it, it really but wouldn't margin be- of error being what it is, it also means that he might end up winning up by five or six points. Yeah. So today we just got some very different polling from two different outlets. The Fox News poll, which has a Democrat and a Republican pollster behind it, it's very credible, uh, shows more down by 10 points, 50 to 40 percent, whereas uh, the Emerson poll shows more up nine points. So really it's kind of choose your own adventure here. Um, A really interesting- The more people are Emersonians. Yeah. And so so one interesting question I have in my mind is actually um, this pollster called SurveyMonkey put out this- um, interesting finding last week that showed it depends on the screen you're using for who is a likely voter, who's actually going to show up at the polls. If you poll all registered voters in Alabama, you're going to have a more a more win easily. Or if you weight it to the people who showed up in 2016 or 2014, more is ahead. But if you just go by asking, are you likely to vote? Are you certain to vote? Or probably going to vote? All those methods by themselves, those show um, a Doug Jones victory. And um, this is not a this is not a uh, scientific point I'm making. I've not studied this issue in depth, but one of the pollsters I think is generally the best uh, from my home state of Wisconsin is this Marquette Law pollster, and that's the po- that's the screen that they usually use. Are you going to vote? They, they rely on people self-reporting. They don't wait the results, um, and they've had very very good results except for 2016 when Donald Trump pulled out that big upset. So you know there's a lot of questions. Um, are people reluctant to say that they're going to show up and vote for someone credibly accused of child molestation? Um, are there Republicans who are reluctant to say that they're going to vote for a Democrat? We don't know, um, but it definitely looks like cl- something close to a toss up if not, you know, a one in three chance for, uh, you know, Doug Jones to pull off an upset. Now, what kind of influence do significant political players have on this race? We have Donald Trump, who having at first kind of distanced himself from Roy Moore and then have having been kind of on the sidelines. Finally, as uh, Mike Warren reports in his White House watch column, um, has gone all in for Roy Moore. And uh, over the same weekend, the longtime senator from 
um, Alabama, Richard Shelby, he announced that he had not been able to vote for Roy Moore. Yeah, he said he he announced it about a week ago, but he said that he he voted for he didn't say who he said he voted for some well respected Republican that he wrote in in the state. He hasn't admitted who he voted for, but he went on the Sunday shows yesterday, which is a really big news. You know, he 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 did this a week or two ago, and he, he said it. But the fact that he wanted to go on national TV and send that message to Alabama voters, I think that matters. But I do think that ultimately Donald Trump's support probably matters more than Richard Shelby's vote because, you know, Donald Trump is, I mean, he is the president of the United States. He is the most influential Republican in America. Alabama is one of the most Republican states in America. You've got to think that endorsement is worth something. If you go back and you look at the polling averages, right around November 21st, uh, Doug Jones was up by a point or so in the Real Clear Politics polling average. He's now down by 2.5. So there has been some movement. Um, how much of that is attributable to President Trump throwing his support in, attacking Jones, going in for more? I don't know, but I think it's got to matter somewhat. It's probably, and also if you look at the polls on before and after, after uh, Trump's endorsement, you had a larger percentage of uh, Republicans or Trump voters who believe the allegations, something like 17% believe the allegations against Roy Moore. And then after Trump's endorsement, it was down to something like 9%. Uh, so, you know, I do think that Trump's, uh, Trump's, Trump's voice matters, especially in Alabama. And there were developments this last week with regard to one of Roy Moore's accusers that have muddied the waters. Yeah. So this is Beverly Young Nelson. She is not one of the women who was who talked to the Washington Post. Uh, after the original Washington Post story came out in which one woman um, accused uh, Roy Moore of molesting her at the age 14 and three other women who, who gave uh, who told stories of Moore dating them when they were, you know, try, or trying to date them when they were 16, 17, 18. Uh, this woman came out later. Beverly Young Nelson went to a press conference with Gloria Allred, and as proof that she knew Roy Moore, she presented a yearbook in which Roy Moore allegedly inscribed to a sweeter, more beautiful girl, I could not say Merry Christmas, something like that. It's, that's a paraphrase. Uh, love, Roy Moore, Christmas 1977. And then right next to that, there are there is the specific date written. So it's kind of weird always to think that why would, why would one person write Christmas 1977 and then the specific date? So it says, you know, the date in December of 1977, and the location, Old Hickory House, where she says she worked when uh, Roy Moore allegedly uh, sexually assaulted her and a car groped her uh, and she escaped. Um, so the fact that she is admitting that she wrote these notes, I don't think that this disproves her story at all. I mean, if you were going to forge something, you would think that you would use a consistent handwriting to forge the whole thing. And the fact that one handwriting is distinct from the other, to me, that shows that, yeah, why that, that definitely doesn't mean that. To me, it indicates it was not a forgery. But the fact that this is coming out late, and that they didn't disclose this in the beginning, and Gloria Allred did uh, appear to attribute all of the writing to Roy Moore. I do think that that's problematic, and it, it kind of muddies the waters. You know, it, it casts doubt on others. Um, but as I, you know, I wrote on Friday at the Weekly Standard, I said, um, you know, this certainly doesn't. I don't think it disproves her story alone, um, and it certainly doesn't cast doubt on the other stories. You know, I, Roy Moore is, you know, given these evasive non-answers originally to Sean Hannity about whether or not he dated uh, high school-aged girls. Oh, um, always with their mother's uh, uh, approval. That's what he said, uh, if he did, which he wasn't sure, but if he did, didn't remember. But if they say they did, then he did. And now he says that he doesn't know any of them, doesn't remember any of them. Um, and then there's the, the story of Lee Corfman, the most the most serious um, 
uh, most serious, not the most serious, Beverly Young Nelson's about sexual assault, but again, child molestation at age 14 is very, is equally heinous probably. Uh, and her story was backed up by contemporaneous accounts. She told two friends at the time, one of whom went on the record uh, to tell the Washington Post that yes, I was told this at the time. Uh, her mother was told some years later, you know, maybe 10, 15 years later, something like that. Um, so either, either Lee Korfman has been inventing this story about Roy Moore molesting her at age 14. She's been telling this, you know, false story for nearly 40 years to friends and family. Uh, or she got her mother and friends to get involved in this massive conspiracy to be able to defend her, uh, her, her allegations in a national TV interview and to, to have reporters dig into her story and not really reveal any substantive uh, discrepancies, anything that really pokes a hole in her allegations. You know, one of those things has to be true for you to disbelieve her. Uh, I don't disbelieve her. I think that uh, it, it's a very credible story. Um, obviously, you know, not, not talking any sort of legal criminal sense of beyond a reasonable doubt, but this is a very credible story that there are these contemporaneous accounts, journalistic vetting, um, uh, that really backs up this charge and 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 the yearbook story does nothing to discredit uh, Lee Korfman's story. Well, we'll see how all of this plays out unless the results are crazy close, which of course they always could be. Um, we'll know Tuesday night or probably Wednesday morning, if not Tuesday night. And um, to get results, the the staff of the Weekly Standard will be blogging and writing about it at weeklystandard.com for analysis of the results of this vote. John McCormick, senior writer of the Weekly Standard, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks for having me. Support for the Daily Standard podcast comes from Donors Trust. It's no secret that the best policy ideas are not coming from politicians. Instead, they're coming from the think tanks, public interest law centers, and other principled individuals and groups from around the country. And the best ones are those that don't rely on government money to operate. If you want to help move the ideas of liberty forward, invest your charitable giving in those doing the real work of conservative causes. And the simplest way to do this is through Donors Trust. Donors Trust is the community foundation for the liberty movement. With a donor-advised fund at Donors Trust, you'll simplify your giving and receive excellent tax benefits all in a way that gives you an additional layer of privacy. All donor-advised funds offer the same basic services, but Donors Trust is the only donor-advised fund that shares your commitment to conservative principles. Go to donorstrust.org standard for your free Investing in Liberty guide that gives you practical advice on how to identify principle-driven charities that deserve your support. As we near the end of 2017, Donors Trust is the partner you need. The stock market is booming and the tax code is changing. Donors Trust experts can help you navigate all of this and equip you to give in a way that best benefits you, your family, and the principles you hold dear. Visit DonorsTrust.org standard right now to download a free copy of your helpful guide, Discover a better way to support the conservative values you believe in. That's DonorsTrust.org slash standard. That's it for the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.